Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Michael, are you ready for some baseball? I am very ready for some baseball. I, how do, where do you come down on the the everybody playing on day one? I don't know. I kind of like it. It feels a little gimmicky. I mean, well, it's better. I will say this is better than last year's. Where what was it? They played in who played in London? Somebody played. No, someone played in like no, they Japan. Played Japan two years ago. Yeah, they like the opening game, and then there was like a week. Yeah. And so it was a nightmare for fantasy. Not that the MLB cares, but well, actually, they probably do care. They should. But <laughs> they they should care. There's more and more of the people who are watching. Uh, yeah, that that is true. People who are betting on the games and people who are playing fantasy. I mean, not that revenue is going down or anything, but yes. <laughs> no, I mean, ask your ten dollar Coors Light. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to get some baseball going. Well, yeah, just everybody who's playing fantasy, just remember uh, 11 days. This this is going to be a long week one. Make sure that you're you're playing it through. Yeah, by the time you hear this, less than 48 hours till your lineup's locked. So. Yeah, so <laughs> make sure you're set. Um, speaking of rosters locking, any final moves that we should talk to people about? Talk people off the cliff about? <laughs> talk people off the cliff about. I mean... There's a lot of rights news or minor leagues guys, as you as you rightly correctly um, highlighted here, because you have the the last minute send downs, um, and there's been a lot of speculation about guys that actually go down and guys that actually stay up, um, and there's always you know the early season sneaky stuff like sending Ronald Acuna down <laughs> yep. to gain another year of of control of him you had a couple of guys that you wanted to talk about though i think well i'm interested that kingery is staying up apparently i saw that yeah that's a big surprise what yeah why why are they doing that I, because of the phillies they're trying to get i think the the um arietta purchase shows that they're just trying to show them that show the fans that they're they're trying to put a competitive team together okay so i guess eligibility be damned <laughs> Another year of control, be damned. Yeah. And then um, Willie Calhoun, though, he's going down. He is. Yeah. So those are the, those are the three big ones that I keep on hearing about. Kingery, Calhoun, and... Um, Akuna, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see who ends up having the biggest impact this year. Do you want to pick one of those guys for Rookie of the Year? If I had to pick a guy for rookie of the year, I think I think I would I would actually that I would actually flip and go with Acuna. Acuna, I, you know, in the research for our minors team, uh-huh. I actually came up with two guys that I think um, might be the rookies of the year this year. One is the guy that I picked up, um, Austin Hayes, who I think is going to be like really good. 
Um, I think he's going to be really good with a really horrible batting average. <laughs> Who's your other guy? AJ Puck. AJ Puck, really? You think so? Ace pitcher. Yeah. No, I I I could see him coming up and contributing. Huh. All right. He's got that kind of like. I think he's got the right profile for a guy who would come up and in a short season just like surprise everybody and be that like dark horse pick. Yeah, I agree with that. Especially like Akuna and Kingery are already they're not going to match the expectations that they have. So right, cause, they would have to right, cuz Akuna basically has Aaron Judge level expectations. Like if he doesn't put yeah. together an Aaron Judge campaign, he doesn't get Rookie of the year. I mean, if he doesn't hit thirty thirty, I mean, he's been what? Get out he of can't here! Steal, he can't steal thirty bases, but <laughs> right? No, I I think AJ Puck might be someone that that we hear about later on, or we might hear nothing about him. <laughs> this week on the pod, we're going to talk about roster management. I'm going to do a large scale overview, talk a little bit about my overarching strategy, and get Eric's input on that. And then after the break, Eric is going to go on a deep dive looking at relief pitchers and their role in roster management. I think we're going to hear about the best art of strategy today. So here we go. Hopefully you're looking at your team right now and thinking that you've got a good squad, but you might be thinking that you've got about a league average squad, or maybe you're thinking that the draft didn't go exactly as planned. In any case, it's roster management time. We can try and make up for this. <laughs> hey. We make up for it all in one day. Make up for it, yeah. All in that first ad drop. Here we go. Uh, but what is roster management? So the idea is that on some sort of time scale, you have to decide which players from the pool of eligible players are going to score points for your team. So who's going to be most likely to score? And this is a very generic conversation right now. We'll zero in on some stuff. The two main formats on this are are daily leagues and weekly leagues. And the roster management strategy is completely different between the two. But what we're going to do for this conversation, I think, I'm going to steer it in talking about the daily management, and then we'll kind of bootstrap our way into thinking what that means about, about weekly rosters. Let me pause here for a quick second. I have an answer to this. But what do you think the most crucial aspect of roster management is? If you had to pick one thing. Know when you're going to make changes to your roster on the daily or weekly basis. Interesting. Know when you're going to make it. So you would say that... Just totally functional level. Okay. You need to have the time in your head when you're going to make those roster moves. All right. I like that. I'm going to add that as point negative one because I already already gave myself a point zero that I thought of (laughs) after... (laughs) All right, my first crucial aspect of daily management was is actually a little bit more glib than that, and it is who is the best player available of all of the players that you technically have access to at that exact moment, who's the best player available. So this is this includes both the universe of who's actually on your team and who you could mm-hmm. go out there and get. The next level up, the level 1 I said, is what is the likelihood that a a player actually goes on a given day. So knowing, for instance, the day that your pitcher goes, that's the really simple one. Um, And on the batting side, knowing when guys are actually going to be in the lineup, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the work that we've done forecasting injuries 
And then I actually have a bonus on this, which is looking at the weather and wondering how in-depth you should be trying to forecast whether games get canceled. Yeah, I think that that's a really important a really important piece to think about. And I like to try to front load that decision, especially on the on the guys who are in splits. Huh. Um, yeah. yeah. Upper deck that that um that problem by avoiding players who are in platoons. Well, so I mean platoons are awesome, but they're also a lot more work to manage. Well, guy, I mean, guys are in platoons for a reason, right? <laughs> They're in platoons yeah, because yeah. they hit really well. Um, and actually, so that was my next point. And maybe you would actually argue that we should flip the order of importance. Because I'm thinking of like, which one of these, if you had to pick between these two, which one should you check first? Should you check the likelihood that they play, for instance, injuries or weather? Or should you look at how favorable the pitching matchup could be? No, I think it's, I think, I think you have this in the right order. Okay. It's what's the likelihood that they play, and sometimes that is based on the pitching matchup. Okay, which is then the next piece, and so and that's I forget that sometimes to look and be like, oh, Corey Dickerson, <laughs> hmm, I wonder if he's gonna play today. Play today. So let's keep marching up the pyramid, though. So that was how favorable is the pitching matchup is level two, level three here. How favorable are the other location factors? So this is the part where I would start to think about. Okay, are they in a favorable ballpark? Like, are they going to Colorado this week for three games? Like, ooh, that actually is is more attractive than than maybe they would have been otherwise. Is the team that they're playing with actually a good defensive team, or do they have you know like, did they have to make Pablo Sandoval play third base, and so they have they have no defense there, <laughs> or are they the entire Twins left side of the field? Right, that's that's a good point of. Um those locational factors can really be helpful. Yeah, are you going to Miami or are you going to Colorado? Do you want to take Yeah, is Martin Prado the guy to play today when he's in Miami? In the last one here, when do you tinker with your roster such that you try to adjust which categories you're trying to get? I try to avoid making those decisions until Saturday. Saturday. Okay, so you would say, if you're in a daily league, you would do this in the last two days. Weekly matchup, daily moves. Yeah, last two days. Interesting. That's a good benchmark. But look, now I've, we've, identified a bunch, we've identified a bunch of like separate facets of problems. So maybe we can start to apply different ideas to these. <laughs> All right. Um, the likelihood that a player plays on a given day, you've been thinking about injury concerns and and measuring injuries and whether guys are actually going to be available and whether they're concerned about this. So we kind of, we've kind of started kicking that around. And I think um, we're going to hear more about that in the upcoming weeks. Do you have anything else that you want to add on that right now? Well, I think it's more in flux. And I actually, I think that the 10 day DL, the hope with the 10 day DL is that it's going to make it more black and white, whether players are playing or not playing, which is going to be helpful for fantasy. That's true. They are more likely to just drop somebody onto the 10-day DL than languish them on the bench for a couple of days and then retroactive put them on the 15 DL like they used to. Yeah, if it's five days and you're going to have like two or three days of kind of recouping, then put them on the 10-day DL. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're still working on that. Now, the other one that we talked about briefly, the weather and weather game when games get rained out, I don't think we've ever actually discussed this on the pod. Of like mechanizing it? No. I mean, I don't even think we've really discussed the fact that 
games get rained out and that affects fantasy. Oh my god, does it? Yeah, I know, no, but we've I, never talked about right. it really. We need to. You're right. Maybe we should add weather forecasts. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how we do that, but this is this is sort of thinking about this. Like, what can we do about this? I think the pitching side is fairly obvious. I think Yahoo actually has like weather forecasts on the some of the players. Well, uh, the reason that I started thinking about this originally is because the Washington Post, which I read for articles, keeps track of, like, makes a prediction of the likelihood that the Nationals game actually goes ahead on a given day. What? Which is really interesting. Which is a really interesting thing to look at. And I've used it in the past, like, thinking about whether the Nationals are going to play. But that's, you know, one, one team that plays and we have 29 others that we get like maybe the cbs prediction that the game might get rained out and they cbs is like four levels like is already rained out like likely to be rained out and great weather <laughs> right well maybe we should uh maybe we should start trying to bring that in start with a rain factor but then we could go all the way up to like is it you know hot is it hot and dry? Are those balls going to fly a little bit more? I mean, more? people talk like people talk about that all the time. Like I would like Is it humidor weather? I would say I would say that that aspect is further up the pyramid, but that's a project that we actually could could work on. Could be interesting. Yeah, we have what it takes. All right. I'm going to I'm going to write down that we're thinking about forecasting weather. <laughs> <laughs> Step 1. Step 1. <laughs> Plan out <laughs> thinking about weather. <laughs> the fourth one, where are you on the categories you need? This, I think, is one that we have talked about off the cuff a lot, um, just giving sort of ad hoc recommendations. And I'm wondering if we can actually model this out in any way. So this is talking about uh, if you see I need a couple extra home runs, trying to prioritize your roster to get those for you. Um, and this works, of course, in like head-to-head or roto or points roster management um ideas there what what do you think we can do can we can we build out models in any way or is this just kind of we're still stuck with the circumstantial evidence i don't know i think i mean i put together that tool in season zero that just had this is what the likeliest out outcomes are based on the projections that we have yeah um, at that point in time with CBS, I mean, that, that gives you a sense for, you know, where the, where the matchup is headed, but I don't think it was ever right. I don't think it was ever right. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't think I, it w- it's not going to be able to predict for yeah. you the number of runs that your opponent's going to get, but it is going to tell you where you need to focus. I think it, I think it narrows the range of outcomes. I mean, I think you can say more likely than not if your if your opponent got ten RBIs on Monday that uh you know they're gonna end with a higher number of RBIs. Guess what? You're not gonna win. RBIs <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, like if something like that happens. Um, let me let me just run down a couple of takeaways here. I think you know Eric out of left field just told me a really came up with a really good crucial aspect of daily management, which is know the rules in your league. Uh, we. Can't help you there necessarily, but we're trying. <laughs> uh, if you if you have any ideas, we're we're all ears on that. Um, and you know, 
we got some we have some ideas here but we'd love to hear from you guys and any anything like this on roster management that you'd like to hear more about apart from relief pitchers because we're about to hear about that please reach out to us hope everyone did well in their fantasy draft so that you're looking forward to an imminent fantasy draft hopefully this roster construction discussion is giving you some good ideas for the first week of baseball here's an outtake we may have to consider this season calling the strategy Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> after after Jay Hader himself this year. Uh, I gotta look up. I gotta look up a picture of him. Josh Hader or John Hader? Josh. I know what John Hader looks like. Uh, I mean, I don't think he would be able to pass for Napoleon Dynamite. Right, we gotta squint a lot. You'll be happy to know that I spent a little time listening to. You Know My Name, the classic by Chris Cornell, <laughs> as featured in Casino Royale. Um, listening to it on repeat while dusting off our growth chart work and starting to think about how um, I can bring the growth chart work to the best Stardo strategy and bring the best Stardo strategy to the TGFBI. You know, I am a little bit morally opposed to directly deciding on an overly complex strategy right before you before you even give the start of the season a shot but i'm ready to be convinced (laughs) well i mean i'm not i'm not totally convinced but i think that it's just i think it's just going to be the way that things go might as well try it out give it a go here um you know classic hitting hitting approach might as well be wonky on the on the um, pitching side Never been tested in a weekly roto uh, sense, but here we go. Um, so what's the best starter strategy? We, we've talked about it a lot over the years, but for our newer listeners, um, the best starter strategy is named for Antonio Bestardo, the eternally mediocre pitcher with the eternally awesome last name. This strategy leverages relief pitchers as a way to thwart a traditional fantasy rotation. How does it work? Use the relatively cheap elite and near elite middle relief pitchers to suppress whip and ERA while staying competitive in wins and Ks. The idea being that also it will have positive externalities like you've got the guy who's in line for getting saves or you've got the guy who's in line for taking over a rotation spot. Those are, a la those are... Brad Peacock key bonuses you're absolutely right right and the cheapness is because people overlook less and less now um those middle relief pitchers those guys who are just throwing (laughs) throwing an inning every third day and killing it but it's not even those guys right i mean we're, we're going all the way up to guys that are averaging an inning a day Right, in which in yeah. which case oh, no, they're absolutely. basically a, they're basically a starter for all intents and fantasy purposes. Right. No, and what's great is that we started talking about the best starter strategy the year that Andrew Miller yep. became the ultimate bestardo. Andrew Miller and Dylan Batansis thought I'd talk about the TGFBI. This is what this is essentially the strategy that we will probably be employing here. Um, based on based on the way the draft went out. Here who we, here's who we've got. Wade Davis, Josh Hader, Kenley Jansen, Blake Parker, Ryan Madsen, 
Mike Montgomery, and Brad Peacock. These sound sound like relievers here, Mike. <laughs> the The best part about this is that they're all people that I've heard of, so that's a good start. <laughs> Oftentimes, you're stuck with the best starter strategy. It's like, I don't know who this guy is, but he's pitched a bunch of innings. <laughs> He's pitched a bunch of innings, and he's got like he's got like a K in inning. How could this go wrong? All right, so quick backup. Um, we've talked a lot last season about growth charts, and we talked about that almost exclusively for hitters. But what I've done is um, remember keep those relief pitchers' names in mind. What I've done is I've dusted off the growth charts. I have changed the way that we download players so that we're downloading pitching stats i ran through the list of relief pitchers relief eligible pitchers unfortunately kind of screws things up a bit um but enough pitchers in there to be able to create some growth curves now the point of the growth chart is to be able to track a player's um, static rule over the course of a season against percentiles within the population this being the relief pitching um, population. So what I've done here for Mike's benefit, um, three of the pitchers that I'm most interested and most excited about um, where I was able to pick them up in TGFBI are Josh Hader, Blake Parker, and Wade Davis, who I think are going to be um, three of the keys to this strategy. So Mike, what have I put together here for you? Yeah, well, I, I was just going to say, I like these guys because they accumulate a lot of innings. Right, they they accumulate innings. That's that's going to be key here. Well, Mike Montgomery is used in long relief situations. He's more of a, he's more of the innings eater than the elite peripherals guy. Like the guys, the guys that you highlighted, Josh Hader, Blake Parker, and Wade Davis are all great ratio stat guys as well. Right, exactly. And I think Mike Montgomery and Brad Peacock are going to be guys that are going to look like they're going to look like really good starters yeah. in terms of their stats um, on a per inning basis, but they're only going to be putting in like 110, 120. Right, innings. they're like half a starter. <laughs> no, exactly. So these three that I put together, I mean, like, look at Josh Hader over last year. Love that curve. He had. Every day that he pitched, about two strikes, that strikeouts. That is just That's awesome. a crazy number. Man. I know. He was just striking everybody out. Not that many games last year, which is also encouraging because that means he might be able to, they might stretch him longer this year. So I think that this is going to work pretty well. We've got, um, I guess the big thing that I want to talk to you about is what do we need to consider in terms of the roster management? We have DeGrom and Lester to raise those innings pitched. I think I think we manage I think we go full best starter and I think we manage the Bundy and Hamill's weeks based on their opponents. Okay. Um I think that we can always fill in innings towards the end. Like Oh my god, we can throw so innings. So I don't I I don't think there's any reason to compromise at the beginning. All right. Uh I don't know. I wonder if any of our league mates are going to be listening to this. But but really, I think some. I think they're going to realize pretty fast what's happening. I mean, I think so too. It's just how upset they get. We'll find out. <laughs> you about ready to wrap this sucker up? Let's go for it. All right, Mike. I was asked a really, really important question yesterday, 
and I've been thinking about it ever since. What's the best John Williams song? Okay. The answer is the Olympic fanfare. No. Yes. No. Yes. What? Yes. Defend yourself. What do you mean? Well, what do you mean by best? Like, well, that's it's up to you, the you, the determiner, I guess, the judge, to decide. I think that the John Williams fanfare has the correct blend of panache and unique style that it is just instantly recognizable. I think it's the. I think it might be the fastest to recognize John Williams song. All right. All right. I But it, but if you're telling me that I can only listen to one John Williams song on repeat for the rest of my life, I would die very quickly if it was the Olympic fanfare. Yes. See, that's that's a problem. And I go with it more of what is my favorite. And that's the asteroid field. <laughs> that is a, it's so unique. It is an awesome song. Number one, because it's got so many different theme themes in it. But, like, you like just if you listen to it, and you can't picture like the entire asteroid scene, then you're dead inside. So, okay, <laughs> it's a roller coaster ride the entire time. I completely agree. What do you think about? No, you're right. You're right. What do you think about Jurassic Park? Yeah, it's in the top. It's in the top five. It has to be right. I mean, because I can, I can, I can hear the Jurassic Park theme in my head and picture them walking into the park. <laughs> you know, like I know, I can just picture Triceratops yes. and and Stegosaurus <laughs> just like walking around. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, I, no, I I'm sticking with the Olympic fanfare. I love hearing it, but every like four years and then randomly on iTunes is the appropriate amount to hear. After it. this, just listen to. I will listen I to will. the Astro Field. I'm gonna post <laughs> it. All right, Mike. I also want to talk about the fact there is so much sport going on right now. I mean, we t- we alluded to this in the intro or in the opening, but man, there's so much sport going on right now. You're right. It's so hard to be bored. I Premier League is shaping up. Yep. I number one is done. But I mean everybody else is still there's a fight to the finish. Um at the top and the bottom. March Madness is crazy. Madness, yeah. <laughs> you, you have Villanova? I don't know, I have Kansas. Oh you have Kansas. oh right, you have Kansas, right. You have Kansas against who in the who'd you have in the UVA. Them playing. Whoops. <laughs> I had Kentucky. So. <laughs> Only got that much further. Baseball is here. Finally. Yep. Um, Just apparently, I had auto pay on my MLB.com account Me or too. whatever. So. Me too. <laughs> so another the games year again that. this year. Yeah. Um, I even think my credit card number changed, but <laughs> MLB be damned. <laughs> Uh, NFL free agency has been insane, and we have the NBA home stretch. This is the part where I, <laughs> I feel I always feel like everything after the All Star game is kind of like, do we really need to have this? Couldn't we have just gone straight to the playoffs? Oh yeah, and the NHL. Yep, and that's all there's to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Batman's delight. 
let's have a delightful little chit chat about a movie here. Um, I think for the second time in a row, I picked a pretty misogynistic one. So what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Did not remember it like that. She was, and she was such a weak actress. I know. I can't. I don't even. I know it was double. It was a double whammy. Yeah, why did you go too? Because I like the, because I like the the mythology <laughs> in it. Okay, I like yeah, it is. I like the mythos mythology. in Temple of Doom appeals to me more than Raiders of the Lost Ark or Last Crusade. Yeah, no, I mean, the Hindu, the random Hindu stuff is so much more interesting than Judeo Christian. <laughs> mythology you're right it's, it's more Absolutely. it's more out there like it's it's way more outside the box it, it doesn't even make sense why is he grabbing a heart from someone's chest why is it just like a move that you can do i don't know but it's pretty sweet i am still terrified still terrified me i know like that's the thing i've never i've never actually you know you're never actually that terrified in raiders of the lost ark um until they face melt faces melt but yeah, you already know what's yeah. gonna happen by that point <laughs> Well, first time that you watch it, you don't. I guess so. Um, one thing I'll say about this movie, I feel like a lot of a lot of the Indiana Jones mythos, architecture, blah, 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 is from this movie. I do, too. Like, other than the, um, the sword fighting thing with the shooting of the gun. Um, well, and the ball rolling. I feel like... And the ball rolling, yeah, I think those are two pro- two of the biggest like Indiana Jones things. There's a lot from I'd forgotten that this movie had a lot of the stereotypical Indiana Jones stuff. Yep. Yeah, because there's there's a lot of whip action. Other and also other than getting into a refrigerator and surviving a nuclear bomb. Okay, well, that part. <laughs> yep. There again, uh, Crystal Skull does exist. Yeah. Come on, man. I feel like it's time for a Lord of the Rings movie. But I'm going to save those to this summer. Dog Days of Summer. That sounds right. So I think we need... I mean, Indiana Jones was kind of a comedy, but I think we need a real comedy. Spaceballs. <laughs> yes! I'll totally do that. All right, I'm excited. All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah!